So, did you both watch Google I.O.? Yes, we did. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure, but I watched it last night because I didn't want to be the person on the podcast today going, oh, I didn't watch it. Because I think that happened with the Pixel (laughs) 3 event where you'd both seen it and I'd seen the first 20 minutes. So, it didn't really work for discussion. Now you know about all about the th- uh, Pixel 3a and Pixel 3a XL. Hooray. Yeah, I thought they looked really good. Hmm. Um, yeah. It's the type of phone that Google should be making. I don't... And I know we've spoken about this before, but I, it doesn't feel right where Google will charge premium prices for, admittedly, their premium phones, but then also double dip and make money on the data. <laughs> um, whereas this this feels right. I mean... Even if they are making a profit on the phone, it, it would be smaller. Um, they might be selling them at a loss or at cost or, or something like that. And that's also okay. I mean, they're, they're still not cheap. I was looking at the prices in the Australian store and they start at $650. And I can remember when the iPhone started at like $699 uh, a few years ago. So, they're not like, they're not Wait, super how, cheap. But how recently was that? Oh, that was probably the iPhone 5, I want to say. Okay. Something like that. I think it, okay, yeah, so it was still it was a while back. Okay, yeah, yeah. Since then, um, what do you call it? Exchange rates—they're a thing. And <laughs> <laughs> I know it was so nice before before they adjusted for that. Mm. But I mean, yeah. even in the US, uh, they got quite a lot more expensive in in the last few years. Yeah, they have, and I mean, like the iPhone 10 jumped in price, and so obviously that happened in Australia too. Mm. My speaking of exchange rates, my brain is fried because I'm doing an economics assignment which is partly about exchange rates at the moment and so I had to think for a second like real hard what they were called and maybe that's not a good <laughs> sign. Uh, but anyway, I was I was thinking no. about it on the models that we're using in this class and that just doesn't work when you're talking about exchange rate. Anyway, okay. <laughs> that's irrelevant. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do. iPhone I five has started at six hundred forty nine US dollars, and the iPhone ten S starts at nine hundred ninety nine US dollars. Yowch. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because those inflation base phones. I don't know. I do. I does make me think. Like, will Apple keep their pricing for the iPhone eleven or whatever we call it, the the twenty nineteen iPhone? Will they keep that pricing the same especially when they're probably not going to have a lower cost alternative though i did read that they might do a lower cost alternative in like march of next year so i don't know it's interesting we'll see it's hard to compete with a, a 600 pixel i don't know if we've said that on the show before but i i would really take one that's a bit smaller maybe <laughs> yeah yeah what yeah. a what a breakthrough idea i know that's <laughs> crazy right thought of that yeah you know you know what just thinking yeah. about that now it's a great idea kai well done <laughs> i know i think, I I, know. I think i'd buy that one too <laughs> okay the pixel 3 and pixel 3 xl 3a and 3a xl they seem cool i like that aspect of them hmm. and um i mean they really they really emphasize the camera and <laughs> they really compare I, them to um the iphone camera Oh, I have an issue I mean, with they, that. They, they compared it to the last... They compared it to, well, almost two years ago now, iPhone's no, camera. No, 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 no. actually they didn't. That's the interesting thing. If you look at the ad, your mm-hmm. brain is just filling in the gaps. It's just saying phone X. No, it, it doesn't said say oh. iPhone. No, it doesn't say iPhone. Really? It's just... Because me, like, I, w- I was watching it together with someone else, and we were both like, oh, 
Funny how they were taking a dab at uh, at the iPhone. No, there. it's just saying phone X, not iPhone ten. Uh, really? I feel like I gotta watch this. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I mean, that's even, so confusing. So then we don't know <laughs> no. what but iPhone they use. Really I mean, in, in we, the video, in yeah. the video, yeah. they actually show like in the disclaimer in the bottom that the that picture was taken on iPhone XS. Yeah, that's what but I thought. I I can send you guys the link to the uh to the advertisement. It's actually just saying phone X, which I thought was interesting because wait, uh, they say that it's the iPhone XS, but it the the image doesn't. Stick yeah, if you that? hit if you hit the link in the show notes. Um, oh in Discord, wow! Or... And they've capitalized the P too, so your brain just adds the I. Yep. Ouch. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's Sorry. that's that's evil. What whatever <laughs> happened to don't be evil? That's <laughs> I don't think this was ever Google slogan. Yeah, that was. was it? Yeah, and then yeah, they changed really? like last year. Yeah. <laughs> to uh, do no harm. What did I change it to? Do no oh, harm. Damn. I don't think that's really true either. <laughs> that is evil. Come on, Google. Discord quit unexpectedly. It can't handle the iPhone, no, the Pixel 3. Do the right thing as the current one. They changed in 2015. So I kind of get this because you don't want to, you don't want to directly talk about your competitor's product. And that's fair enough. You don't want to say iPhone 10s. But mm-hmm. everyone knows what phone they're talking about because they put the price in the ad. It's got 999. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what yeah. flagship phone starts at 999. And when you, when you read Phone X, you, you think of the iPhone 10. You don't think of the Samsung Galaxy S10. But that's S10. how broken I am too. I don't see when it says phone before and X. I don't see the X as an X. I see it as 10. Like that's really uh, okay. bad. I feel like yeah. I've been correcting myself so much that it should pr- <laughs> be pronounced 10 instead of X. So I'm just broken now. So maybe that's a clever advertisement for all those people that use Apple products all the time. Because they're now questioning themselves whether they're brainwashed by automatically assuming it must be the iPhone 10. Uh, and other people just see that it's very dark. I mean, you can pick up a Pixel 3a and be brainwashed by all the ads you see. <laughs> what if it works? But it's interesting, right? That that they're just showing phone phone X, even though it was taken on iPhone XS. Uh, so that's actually... But they did actually... Yeah, the in, same in the video in the ad, video, right? it's saying yeah. in the bottom, just... This shot has been taken on an iPhone XS. Yeah. So, jokes wow. aside, um, Night Sight is actually amazing. And I think it's the perfect it so nice, yeah. candidate for, like, it's the perfect thing to advertise for this phone because Google really can do amazing things with photos without having the greatest sensor on the back of the phone, the, the greatest camera lens. And mm-hmm. I think it's the perfect thing to advertise because you can still get that very. I don't know if it's exactly the same as the Pixel 3, but you can get quality that is very similar to that of the Pixel 3. I think they're using the same sensor. I feel like Google is really using their strengths there too. I think they are really strong as a software development company. And I think Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to engineering, and I think this would use um, artificial intelligence to predict Mm -hmm. the colors, I think. And I think they are so good at that. And it's just making sense for them to utilize that and be different from Apple and not put... Uh, potentially three cameras on the phone rather than just have ju- yeah. rather just having one and then even make it better than what I But it also have. really plays to strength, right? They yep. use cheaper hardware to get more out of it with software. That's exactly what Google should do with their hardware products. Yeah, for all the yep. bashing yep. we do with Google, half jokingly. Um I think <laughs> I think it's really cool. I think that is the phone is really cool, the feature is really cool and the the photos mm. that come out of Night sight and and the camera on the Pixel yep. three and I presume the three A, 
are just amazing. So, mm. props to Google. I actually think these phones are really exciting. And if Apple, if Apple did something similar with their phones, I'd probably be buying the equivalent phone. Uh, I think it, I think it's great. What is a bit funny though is that like I have never really been a person taking pictures when it's dark, and I'm not sure if that's because I wasn't able to take pictures when it's dark. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, those dark pictures look amazing. I should take more pictures when it's dark out. I never go outside when it's dark out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like just when you're like sitting with people and like having like if you had like a family dinner or like just a family catch up, I think those are often scenarios where you, where you will take pictures and it can be like a dark lit room. And it would be nice like if you could look back at those old pictures and actually see people a bit clearer. So, Manon, when was the last time we went to a family dinner? <laughs> the, I didn't have this camera, so <laughs> that's why you'd been go to the dinner years? if you had the camera. Remember. <laughs> Yeah, I think no, the but, last time I had a family dinner is probably 10 years ago. <laughs> no, but my point is that I think I can think of scenarios where it would be nice <laughs> to have dark, better dark pictures, but I never thought of this as a problem before. And I think that's just showing that Google has done pretty good advertisement for people who, for, for making people want to take dark lit pictures, even if it was nothing that I really desired at all before. And I think that's interesting advertisement. Because so you're not taking a lot of pictures of 80s roller skating rings? I don't. No, no. Um, again, because of the camera. But I, th- but I think, like you said, if you had a camera that is capable of taking these pretty, pretty impressive nighttime photos, that might change the way you think about nighttime photography. Um, I know exactly. the, like, the point yeah. for me where I was like, well, this is a game changer, was a friend who'd just gotten Pixel 3. We were sort of hanging out at his house and if you go like most houses you know you like you got like the side thing between the fence and the house and it's pretty narrow and pretty dark at night anyway he took out the phone and took a photo of this like thin alleyway now the the photo turned out better than what my human eyes could see oh wow like hmm. the, it was but, seriously yeah. impressive like there was an old bicycle there that was painted yellow I couldn't discern the colors at night. It was it was that dark. <laughs> Maybe you should Yet get to this. <laughs> no, no, like none of us could. It was like just it was dark. Anyway, this phone got the colors right. Yeah. It was amazing. And, and that's it's like the this thing. is like three seconds of processing on a Google server somewhere. It's incredible. Mm. And <laughs> yeah, that's a bit creepy. But <laughs> realistically, I also think that um, if I look back at other things that I that sort of changed my behavior, uh, I think. Um, I'd never used to take many macro pictures that often before. Um, I think in like the iPhone 3GS and the iPhone 4, I didn't take that many pictures. Uh, most of them were just like regular photos. Uh, but then as the camera started getting better, and especially when Apple came out with the 2X feature, I started to take so many more close-up fi- pictures. And I would say my, the majority of my pictures are those type of pictures now. And that's another opportunity where like, I just had a better camera and I felt like I wanted to do that. And I think that could happen as well with the dark lit pictures. It was just nothing I felt like I wanted to do before because I knew it wasn't really giving me nice pictures in the end. So. But it also kind of shows uh, Google is in a good position theoretically. I don't think there's anything that would prevent Google from making that up for iPhones. Right? No, that's yeah, probably a not. Good point. So if they're because if they want to push hard their yeah. Google Photo services at some point, they could just say, "Hey, this this app that almost made you buy a Pixel, but then you decide not to." Uh, wouldn't that is be now quite hardware dependent though? Huh? Because then they could. Wouldn't that be quite dependent on the hardware? Because otherwise, they could push that out for other Android phones as well. I think but they could. I think at the moment, it's yeah. just this is one of the core reasons to buy a Pixel phone. Yeah, and I don't know how that goes for Google, and if there's an 
enough value for it. I think in general, Google is probably in a position where they want to be more present in the hardware space. But I mean, it seems like from from sales numbers so far that those efforts are not particularly uh, successful, financially at least. I start to really like their ads though for the Pixel. I think you and I were talking about this during the when we were watching some basketball games we were saying that it's weird that apple that google isn't releasing that many videos and then we were watching a video uh, with like a, a commercial for the pixel and they were actually really nice yeah they're they're, of, like not they ads here yeah again now. yeah they were really nice ads they were quite like they were very focused on like young people and like just especially the camera and i think they did a really good job advertising it and i think Many people would be quite happy to buy that. And I have personally been thinking about getting an Android phone um, as a secondary device because I want to get a better understanding of the whole ecosystem of mobile. Hmm. And I think this would be a perfect opportunity because I think this is not as expensive as the previous Pixels, um, but it's still a really nice device. Um, So I could imagine maybe getting this as the Android device of my choice if I would get one. It might only be me, but if you look at those billboards... Does it on, does it bother you guys too that I mean the Google colors are in in order red orange green blue in the disco scene yeah or, it's the wrong order they're not in the, the colors are somewhat similar but not in the right order for some reason that really bothers me yeah it's a little bit annoying I mm. haven't spent mm. long enough to looking at these to notice so yeah I mean that's the first thing that jumped at me <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, I why? was just surprised how miscolored the building is. <laughs> it's very <laughs> it, it 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 the the fact that the billboards are there makes the building stand out as less of an attractive building. <laughs> now maybe if they took that photo with the Pixel 3A, the colors would be <laughs> <laughs> Um anyways, um yeah, I I also enjoyed the event. I enjoyed um watching some more releases. It was very it felt like the whole presentation of the new Pixel was very rushed, but I, as I oh, understand, yeah. as yeah. I understand afterwards, weird. yeah, I, f- I think that was because it had been leaked so much before, so they might just wanted to confirm things. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Whenever we talk about leaks for Apple, I mean that's nothing compared to to what happened to the Pixel. It was like everything was out. The phone was out. Like, you know why that is? Actually, got f- access to the to the full. F- Fully yeah. done phone to the the boxes. Wasn't to that the, the same with the uh, Pixel Three? Yeah, well? it was like leaked. The entire hardware product could be bought somewhere in Hong Kong, like yeah. a month before it was announced. Do you know why that is? That's just because they don't have the same, I guess, security standards. I assume. I mean, it appears that way. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think that's their marketing strategy. If so, I don't know if they should go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think. Um, what do you guys think about the rest of the event? I mean, this was definitely something that was pretty exciting. Um, but in general, did you guys were you guys excited after watching the event? Yeah, I'm. I'm always excited watching Google events. I like. Okay, I I see Google as almost two separate companies. There's the well, you could go with three, but I'll go with two. So there's the like the technology. <laughs> the, you could the give, I think any number would fit. Yeah, but like I say, okay. I, in my mind, I break it up in two ways. There's the advertising side of Google, and that's the mm-hmm. that's the evil side. That's the side I don't like. That's the side that when I, you know, often talk about a lot of the creepy things they do. That's what I mean. And then there's the really cool science and technology part of Google. There's the part that's doing research and publishing papers. There's the the part that's you know doing a whole bunch of stuff and machine learning and AI and 
working on really cool technology to I believe I believe that they believe what they're doing is genuinely great work and I I see that as genuinely great work. I think that they like the people working on these products seem passionate about it. Like a lot of the stuff that they talk about around the home. There's there's the two angles to that. There's the creepy aspect, but then there's the also this is mm-hmm. genuinely awesome and useful. And I think that that I think the company is I, I see it as really disconnected. Um that they're people working on really cool products and I get excited when I see them talk about this because I think, yes, these things are awesome and and they have the ability to make lives better Mm. and to connect people. And I think all of the things, like I buy into that and maybe I'm just the stooge for their marketing. Like, But I I genuinely think that they're doing some cool stuff. And I mean, there was a part about where they even spoke about diabetes and that's like, you know, it's really cool stuff. Mm. Um, Mm. But yeah, then I think when when I watch these, I sort of have to keep in the back of my mind, uh, this is Google and they're a data collecting company. So, then there's that that sort yeah. of uh, offsets I think, the excitement. I think that really skews it. Yeah. Like, it's, I think, I agree with you. All those things that you're excited about, I was also excited about. And I think, wow, like, they're really, like, they're really good at what they're doing. Um, and, um, like, if any company could do this, it's Google. But then you also have to think about, like, many things that they can do. It's probably because of the data collection, um, mm-hmm. like the and, and it, that's right. It's like how processing. many of these features started as a well? How can we collect more data? And then that just happens that yeah. there's a cool solution, and it might not yeah, be that way. Yeah. But that's sometimes how I think about it. Yeah, yeah, and I think the fact that you know that that's sort of their one of their main business, like main income sources to actually collect data and um, do advertisement, uh, mark like. <laughs> Um, personalized advertisement. I think those things make you feel a little bit concerned about the other things that you're excited about. And it's hard to sort of know where the line is drawn and know how much those things overlap. And if you know that a company does both of those things, it can be a little bit harder to trust a company like that. Um, so I do understand why you think certain things are creepy. And like, I was thinking about that when they introduced the, the new like home TV device. I don't know yeah. what name is. Mm-hmm. What, what's the, the home, name of it? the Nest Home Hub, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like if you're like if your hands are dirty and you're standing and making like food in the kitchen and you can't like tap a t- like t- uh, if you're not able to like either like tap a screen to stop a timer or there's music on and you don't want to scream to to stop a timer, you can just raise your hand in order to stop it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool that the camera detects that you raise your hand and that you they should stop the timer. Uh, but then you have to think about, like, in order to detect that, they actually have to use the camera all the time, I guess, to be able to see when you when you raise your hand. Mm-hmm. And that's, on that other hand, a little bit creepy because you don't really know what's happening with the rest of the data, and or or who can. Uh, that's also a potential place where people can hack into, and I think that's a little bit scary. Um, so it's hard to sort of. I mean, anyone could, uh, yeah. as long as you have a malicious access to to a device, you could do that with your iPhone, your iPad, your iMac. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is not think... exclusive to. This is not a problem exclusive to Google. But then knowing how they make hmm. money makes you think that it's more in their interest to n- not always anonymize the data that they're collecting, or not always delete it after it's no longer relevant, and those kind yeah, of. Yeah, but there's still a realistic. I mean, Google will collect data that they can do something with. Yeah, yeah. They they can't really sell 
you as a person because they know how you're raising your hand to stop a timer, right? There's not really any value in collecting that data. And yeah. the idea of that is that all of that happens on device only. And I, I don't see any yeah, reason why that wouldn't be the case. I want to get to that. I feel like they focused a lot on security and things actually happening and being processed on the device in this IO. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also said that they have been able to sort of break down their... Um, algorithms or make them more efficient so that they actually can fit do things directly on the phone and i thought that was really cool that they have focused on actually moving that onto your phone so that there is a lot more privacy and a lot un- more animation than it used to be um by the sound of it and it's a bit more in line with what apple is doing so overall i'm, I'm very positive about it and i think you can be creeped out by every company i think you're right about that kind um but i do understand where you're coming from zach that it feels a bit like it's a conflict of interest and you don't really I think Google can do a lot of cool things because of their other business and I think that's not a bad thing it gives you a lot of benefits but you also have to make sure that that data is being treated correctly so that it's not as identifiable I guess but so it also keep it their does privacy. seem like Google is pushing more into markets that actually have profits directly from selling products if if yeah, you look yeah. into what they're doing, right, most of the attention this year was around like the the Pixel three A, which is, I mean, the hardware is pretty weak overall, right? It's like a relatively old processor in there. I I wouldn't be surprised if they make a profit of that device. Similar for the Nest Hub Max and the Nest Hub. What's the smaller one called? Nest Hub. Mm, I go with that now. Um, and all their Google Google Cloud services and all the enterprise services. I, it seems like Google's pushing more into markets that actually make money from people giving them money rather than advertisement only. I mean, advertisement is still a humongous chunk of of the entire uh, revenue, but at least they're pushing into markets that are more traditional selling products for profits. Um, I I don't think that's I mean if anything that's good right if if Google is diversifying into less less uh, questionable markets um, I mean if if that goes well for them why wouldn't they expand on those rather than the ones that people feel more and more yeah uh, un unhappy with I mean no, I agree I, I'm not saying that Google necessarily thinks that I mean maybe it's just a smart decision for Google right to to diversify because they they definitely see the shift that people are more and more conscious about what happens to their data so it makes sense to go into more traditional product kind of categories while still using all the all the data they've collected over the the years to to get to really good software that Google can do and now moving that into the products where more and more stuff happens on device and selling their devices as very capable devices seems like a good step for them yeah yeah no, no, I, but I, I think that agree. there's also and and it's really difficult because I think it's a very privileged position to say well we'd rather pay for things than give up our data and I think that some of the stuff that Google do is really impressive in developing markets so cheaper phones is great and mm-hmm. i think look if you're like, i don't i don't i gotta be careful how i word this but if you're in a developing country and you know you're getting online for the first time of course you, you probably don't really care about the data that google has on i, I don't know I don't, I don't know if i'm allowed to say that but you probably don't care like you know, you're probably but realistically happy also, to make Google that trade off right? because you don't want to spend two grand on a phone, and that's fine. I think there's a place for that. Um, but I also think, I, and it's, I don't think it's only in development, developing. No, that's um, an example. Communities, that I, give, I think, but I do think people who are not as fam- everyone doesn't like people don't 
care, honestly. I think some people, like if I talk to people who are less technical, they are sometimes a bit like concerned when they like notice that something is advertised for them that they just Googled for. They are a little bit confused, I guess. And they're like, oh, it's a weird coincidence. And then I tell them how it, like how that appears or how that's occurring. Um, but overall, they don't seem to bother about it when I explain like, this is their business model. And I think often they, often they understand it and they're a little bit like, Oh, that's a bit, that's a bit weird. That's a bit scary at the beginning. That's sort of their attitude. But then I think many people see the benefit that they get from certain services, including Facebook. And I think they don't really want to give that up. I think people don't really know what that means and people don't think that they have something to hide. And that's why they feel like it might not matter. And I think, I mean, it's, it, it depends on what extent you want to go to in protecting your privacy. And I think certain people don't really care if they get certain things for free because of it. And I think many people want to use certain services and they're not going to go away from it just because they know that their data is collected. And, and I reckon that's perfectly okay. I think there's no problem. If you are informed and you have a general idea of what is happening and what's being collected, mm-hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with opting to use, to continue mm-hmm. using that mm-hmm. service. And look, I think... I think in in my ideal world, like I would like if I'm buying a Pixel from Google and I've given them you know fifteen hundred dollars or two grand or whatever it might be for that phone, and I'm paying them for Google Drive storage, I would like to opt out of their personalized, a lot of their personalized recommendations and things like that. And at the moment, you can't do that. But I think if you're if you're choosing Unless to use it and you know account. and you're informed, you can, really, yeah. you can do it with this. <laughs> if you're informed, yeah, you then there's no problem with that. Like I had a conversation with someone recently about Facebook, and and they were they were very aware of all of the privacy issues that have happened with Facebook over the last couple of years, and they and they just said, look, Facebook as a service is too valuable for me to give up. I completely understand what's happening, but I've made the choice that I've just I'm just going to go with it. I'm okay with what they're collecting. I know that they are looking at every word I type and everything, but I'm okay with that. And that's great. Like that's that's an informed person. They know they're not in the dark. They don't they're not surprised when uh, an ad surfaces on Facebook for something they uh, discussed with a friend two months ago. You know they're okay with it. They know they're they're just putting their hands in the air and saying, look, that's fine. I get a lot of value out of Facebook and being able to communicate with friends and family and I'm perfectly happy to use it. And I think that's fine. But the problem, I guess, is where people don't necessarily know exactly what's happening. It's like, oh, great, free upload to Google Photos. And then, you know, they don't understand what the trade-off is there. But anyway, um, overall, I think it's fine. I think people should be informed. But Facebook is a very different level of evil. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah but fundamentally it is the same because thing I, I feel like facebook doesn't i feel like google does a lot more positive in the world than facebook did like google you can true. still argue that yeah. certain things are weird but like google as a search engine overall pos- probably a positive impact oh yeah you know uh and and all their services are actually helping people to to do mm-hmm. stuff like yeah google drive useful service google photos pretty good it's it's doing positive things well i feel like facebook i can also answer my friends horribly late on other services i don't need facebook <laughs> to do that yeah no that's, that's fair enough um, but yeah, I think, so does that mean we're all, we all have a pretty positive outlook on IO? Like we like the stuff Google's doing? I mean, in general, I feel like Google is now more actively, um, I, Google moving more into the same space that Apple is, uh, being, I mean, Apple positioned themselves in the very strong privacy focused, uh, space. I don't know when it was four years ago or something. 
Um, and I think that was often their go-to differentiator. And I think more companies now moving into that and competing in that space means mm. it pushes Apple more to do things on top of that. It's like Google is now saying, look, we're also focused on, on privacy to whatever lower extent and those kind of things. But overall, they're, they're positioning themselves in, in a similar ballpark mm -hmm. arena now. Um, I think that is even helping Apple to say, look, privacy is good, but we also have to have as good, if not better products than the ones that Google makes. And I think overall competition is very, very good. So I'm even if I'm not really going to use or buy a Pixel 3a, or a Nest Hub Max, I still like that it seems like Apple and Google competing in a more similar space to then forcing those companies to to make better products. And that yeah, and I think um, to a similar on a similar note, I think this event was very focused on helping people who might have some type of um, mm. um, some type of disability or some um, issues with um, understanding languages or uh, being understood in languages. And I think it was great to hear that they were focusing on accessibility and even focusing on helping people who might not be able to um, read um, as well. I think it was really good to see that they are. Actually, uh, they're in a the perfect position, and I think this is somewhere Apple is falling behind. I think they have so much natural language processing abilities, and they were able to help people who not necessarily who can maybe not be understood in every situation to actually be able to be understood by people. And I think it was great to sort of see this man who was talking to his phone and then got direct sort of written almost like subtitles. And I think this will really enable people who have a, uh, a speech impairment to be able to. Um, feel more comfortable doing things on their own and, and i think just being served i yeah. mean i even know some people who recently moved to english-speaking countries yeah who still can't use siri because uh, yeah, siri yeah. Doesn't like I, uh, it barely understands me like and i don't think <laughs> no I, I don't i just don't think i have that much of an accent uh, and even if it's an act like I, I can just imagine that if you do have some type of speech impairment it would be quite hard for siri to understand you and i think that's quite unfortunate. And I think Apple is focusing so much on accessibility in so many different areas, but this is something that they are not, I don't think they are in, as far ahead as Google have the ability to be. And it's great to see that Google is actually utilizing that. And I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up because that was uh, their focus on accessibility was probably my favorite part of the yeah. IO keynote this year. Um, I think, as I sort of started alluding to before, I think that that's Google at its best when it's it's doing all this research, it's um, you know finding answers to things, and then building really technical but really like useful solutions to problems. And these are genuine problems. And I think this a lot of the time is when technology is at its best when it's allowing people to do things that they were previously unable to do and make people mm -hmm. feel more comfortable in the world. The one that really got me was I loved the story of that uh, woman from India who couldn't read or write, but could then yeah. felt a bit more comfortable going about things in like uh, going out of the home and doing things because she was able to use the Google camera features to sort of understand what signs said and to talk to people and things like that. And I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. And that's technology at its best and it's making things more accessible to, to people. And I love that aspect. And, you know, I mean, we've spoken about Apple's focus on accessibility before, and it's good. But I think I think Google are doing some really cool stuff here, and that's also partly why I'm torn over the whole data thing. Because if you didn't 
collect data and doesn't have to be personalized data, but if you didn't collect data and aggregate it, you can't build these really useful tools and these really useful models that are helping you achieve these things. So I think that there's that inherent, like there's an underlying positivity that's that's coming about because of all the stuff, all the, the data Google has and all of the stuff that they can do with said data. I think it's really impressive. And I like that. And I think that's, I, I think that's a real strength of Google. And I don't mm. know, I was very excited to, to think, see all of that. Yeah, and it's mm. great to see that like, even if this is not... The major the majority of people are not gonna get the benefit of this, but the people who do like have have such a, are so impacted by those things, and I think it makes such a big difference for the people who need mm-hmm. these type of services. And it's great that they're not focusing on the biggest revenue or biggest market, but rather helping people in those situations. And I think I mean it it works as like it makes me very happy to see that. And I think you're really using the talent that you have to make the world mm-hmm. a better place, I guess. Yeah, but it's genuinely. also a good educational tool, right? If you use, mm-hmm. if you can't read and you're just exposing yourself to this a lot over yeah, time, yeah. you might be become uh, you you gain the ability to read some s- more and more every day, right? So yeah, I exactly. think there's yeah. there's value in that as a. I mean, it helps you directly, but over time you'll also learn and become less dependent on that mm. technology, and I think that is also. Uh, quite a powerful. Yeah, maybe it becomes like an educational tool too mm. if you want to start learning a new language. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it, it just shows again the value of having diversity in in teams and in companies uh, to to get to those kind of things. I mean, it seems like Absolutely. at least from Google's presentations, they seem to have quite diverse uh, teams throughout the company. And um, I thought that the think- crowded IO and maybe maybe they... Maybe it was slightly skewed, but I thought the crowd looked more diverse than a WWDC crowd. Uh, did you either of you think I that? I didn't really pay attention to that. I didn't notice that. No. Okay. Oh, sorry, I didn't notice. I, don't know. I, thought, I thought it looked a lot. I better, just remember but... seeing one guy falling asleep. <laughs> oh yeah, I do remember that too. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, not, oh, not the person you want to put on, camera, on a long day. No. <laughs> <laughs> Poor boy. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think all of this stuff kind of answers. Answer some of the question anyway about what's next. You know, like people people are holding onto phones longer. Technology is pretty good. Like we've all benefited, and by where I mean like able-bodied people have all uh, have all benefited from technology a lot. And you know, we're able to get around, we're able to learn new things, we're able to do all these things with phones that we sort of just take for granted. But then, well, what's next? Well, making this more accessible to people who haven't previously been able to benefit from these technologies and i think that's fantastic it's it's great mm. um and and i'm yeah I, like overall i was really happy watching the keynote and i thought that google are doing some really cool stuff mm. yeah yeah definitely did you see the um did you see that maps now defaults to an ar mode i thought that looked pretty cool um instead oh, of just yeah. the, the default little dot was it default no i, I think thought they implied that it defaults to that i thought it was instead of street view instead of really okay maybe, not. maybe. Maybe, Maybe it's the same no. or something, but I thought that no, part you're was right. pretty cool. Maybe as soon as you actually start a navigation, yeah, I would for walking directions. It? I thought it implied, but yeah. still, uh, I thought it implied it was default. Maybe it's an option. I could be wrong. Um, but again, either way, I, I want, think that's a pretty. Cool I want feature. that, but in a different form factor. Yeah, because I'm not going to yeah, do that with my phone. Yeah. Makes no sense to me. I can. But I think I can they're look. getting there. I think. There's a reason. Like, I think the reason why companies put a lot of effort into the software of AR um, would be because they want yeah, to yeah. actually get it into a different form factor. But mm-hmm. that wouldn't be. That's probably not ready yet. But it's but good start to start now. That, build the people. technology yeah. out. Um, get some data, yeah. and then when you when we do evolve <laughs> to have 
technology that maybe glasses, maybe not. Um, well, you know, you, you've got a lot of the, the things in place for that. It's really positive. Mm. Yeah. I want that now. <laughs> Go yeah, and make one. Yeah. Mm. Yep. But overall, interesting. Interesting. I've been thinking I should do, um, I should do some stuff with uh, a bit more stuff with AI and ML. I think there's a heavy focus on that in Apple events and Google events. And I think this is going to be an important part going forward. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you think AI might be a thing? <laughs> <laughs> they convinced you now? Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, for, for, software, <laughs> for mobile software developers anyway. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it I depends, right? Do you, do you have a... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm always not really interested in... Or not always, but in general, I'm interested in solving problems. And if there's a problem that can be solved with AI, that's cool. But I wouldn't want to try to find problems to solve with the AI if I don't really have anything I need to be solved. That's a perfect pitch for investors, Kai. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. Like, don't go out of your way. But it could still be good to play around with this stuff. Like, I was thinking, so yeah, I, I totally it's, it's no secret that I'm working on the, um, like, some some kind of data dashboard for blood glucose levels. And that's it, not very advanced. Like, it's just a nice way to display data if you've got type 1 diabetes and you happen to record your your blood glucose on your iPhone with the health mm-hmm. app. But I was thinking like, maybe I can apply some kind of machine learning to like identify patterns and trends or predict patterns and trends. Like, oh, hey, Mondays at 4 p.m. You tend to go low. So, you know, like at 2 p.m. on a Monday, send a push notification and be like, hey, watch your blood sugar for the next two hours. I don't know. Things like that. That, you know, I think I think even basic apps going forward are probably going to have some kind of aspect of machine learning and doing some smarts and think it's going to be a nice way to uh, differentiate your app, make it stand out a little bit in the future Um, before, Mm. you know, like even the next couple of years before these, like these things are everywhere. So I don't know. Mm. I was thinking I should probably play around with that. Maybe once I finished uni and have some weekend time again. Yeah. And then should upload all your users data to your servers. So you can never train your models uh, on all the other users. Train the model based on their existing data. It's okay. If they've got years of data, like I do, it will work. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I'll have to play around <laughs> with it. M- maybe this is just a terrible idea. But hey, I'm thinking out loud. Someone hold me to this mm. in November. Be like, hey, are you working? I will. Don't worry. Thank you. Yeah. But overall, interesting interesting positioning for Google. But overall, feature light, I would say. Usually, Google sure. is very yeah. much... Usually, those Google keynotes are like, here is yeah. a new of everything. Here are the big... Yeah, I know, I know. But at the same time, I feel like they often... They tend to, re- they tend to announce a lot of things at Google I.O., but then you don't re- they don't really... S- nothing happens after that. I think it's not really being spoken about. Many things are sort of being fallen between the cracks, or sort of things are not really... Might not be completed. Yeah, I thought I, uh, I, I zapped to the wrong channel when I didn't see a new chat app. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's it seems like all those all the things that I mentioned in the main keynote will actually come out, and I think that was quite quite cool. Mm. I think maybe they just changed the focus. But hey, there's a dark mode. That's the number one important feature. Um, you can't go past it, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there was also a declarative UI oh, framework, yeah. um, which I was very briefly looking at, um, which looked which looked yeah, really project, good. What is it? Project um, Jetpack or something? Wait, like was that? this by Google? This was by Google, yeah. 
Oh. Uh, yes, that sounds right. Jetpack sounds right. Um, but, oh, yeah. I remember you mentioning this guy. I, I didn't get a chance to dig through the documentation because busy week, but it looks good from what I saw. And and the Android devs at work are excited about it. Was this also going to be... I mean, this is also... Dec- was this also <laughs> declarative language that was cross-platform or no, was that it is, only for um, Android? There's also new Flutter stuff. So Google's cross-platform thing. Yeah, that's what I thought. There are new Flutter stuff, which also allows you to do Mac OS apps. Is that correct? That's right. And mm. web. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting that they also announced something before Marzipan. Mm. But Flutter is all OpenGL. And OpenGL is deprecated on macOS, so that's fun. What do you mean all OpenGL? Like literally all? Everything is based on OpenGL? What do you mean? You said that it's all using OpenGL. Yeah, like if you run a Flutter app, Mm -hmm. all they do on iOS is basically draw an entire, like the entire scene they draw on OpenGL. Really? It's not actually using UIKit at all. It's just rendering your entire UI with OpenGL. I didn't realize that. Okay, that's Mm. um, doesn't seem like the best decision considering, like you said, they are actually going away from that. Yeah, and I think that's the same. I might be wrong on that, but I think it's the same for macOS. And I think 10.14 deprecated OpenGL, so seems like a interesting choice. Yeah, that's a bit strange. What was I? I forgot. What was new in the German report that wasn't already in 9.25? We get the the homegrown apps from. I think that was new, like the reminders. Um, yeah, but didn't we talk about this in the last? Haven't we spoken about this? I feel like we have. I feel like this was something in 95. Maybe. I think the new thing was that the music app is actually not going to be um, UI kit. Oh, yeah. Oh, did he? Is that something that Garmin actually mentioned? Mm hmm. Oh. Okay. So this is going to be. Mm hmm. In a very, okay. very roundabout way. Potentially a new swipe keyboard. And a weird WatchOS app store. That's. An interesting one. Um, I don't know how much sense it makes because a lot of apps require you to set them up. A lot of watch apps require you to set them up with. Yeah, not just that. It's also, I don't know. Do you ever, do you ever go to your watch and you're like, I'd like to browse some apps now. It just doesn't, to me, that's not ever a thing I thought to do. Yeah, no. And I mean, the only... Uh, very occasionally, watchOS seems to remove an app from my watch. And sometimes... And it's usually apps that I'm on test flight for, so I think it's a test flight bug. So it probably wouldn't even solve that problem. But that could be the only time I could say, oh, I thought I had this app on my phone. I don't have this app on my phone. Maybe I should uh, download it. But again, like if my phone's nearby, I'm always going to pick the phone mm. to, to do that task on. Um, and it's very rare. Like Even despite having cellular, like it's very rare to, say, go out for a run... And not have the mm. music app on my phone like that wouldn't happen because it's an Apple app. And it's like, how many other third-party apps am I using on my run? Not really any. But realistically, how many apps in general do you use? I mean, it is a natural progression, right? The more independent the watch uh, will become over time, the more likely it should, or the more important it is for the watch to have an app store. Like, I I could definitely see a future where you don't even need an iPhone to to get an Apple Watch. Right? Why? Why have that requirement in in a year or two, or even this year re- potentially? Right? The more you have an LTE watch, it could theoretically run run independently from a from a phone. 
So it's definitely a direction that the watch would go. I'm. It's just for me, I didn't really use a lot of apps on my watch. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I think that's the case with a lot of people. But there's possibility for watch apps to get better. And I think watch OS development tools need to improve. But if we get to a point, like I actually, there are a few watch apps I really enjoy using. And if we get Which to ones? a point where there's more of those, uh, in particular, Carrot Weather, Dexcom, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Overcast is good. Outcast is good. And now I'm going to look at my watch because they were just the ones I had on top of my head. Oh, Auto Sleep is nice. Plane Finder is nice. Um, very occasionally we'll check uh, bank balance, but that doesn't happen too often. And that's about it for third-party apps on the watch. Um, very occasionally check the rugby league scores, but usually my phone's nearby when there's a game on. So Yeah, for me, it's mostly transit apps. And Oh, how could I forget? The- yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh- um, but I've been I've been using Siri a bit more to to get bus times and things like that on my watch. Oh, really? So I find that okay. the the Siri interface for a lot of public transport apps is good enough. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like they're also when it comes to watch OS, it seems like Apple is also porting a lot of their existing iOS apps um, to to be like having an exclusive app on the watch. Uh, and I think in general, all of those sounds really interesting to me, but I think many third-party apps, I don't know, but I feel like I don't really use them. I feel like the watch is more like a utility device for me. So for example, one app that would come out is like um, voice mem- uh, voice memo, audiobooks, um, and like other like new like health-related things and complications. And I think those are all things that Apple are usually doing quite well, like those type of utilities. And I think that's sort of what I found that I use the Apple for, Watch for the most. I think that would be really like beneficial, but those would also be installed by default, I think, so I wouldn't really need to download them on the go. Um, I don't know. I feel like most third-party apps, I, I just feel like I don't use many third-party apps on the Watch. And I don't know if that's because they tend to be more complex apps and they are not able to have as good of a UI for, for the watch, or maybe it's just that I had a bad experience early on from third-party apps, but for some reason I just don't use them as much. Um, Yeah, I don't know. But it does seem like they do release a few cool things, Apple themselves, so as I, like I said, it's fun that they release like voice memo, and apparently it's rumored that they release a calculator app, and those are all like things that would be really useful, but it's things that make you seem like a, like more dorky than you already do wearing like a smartwatch. <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah. See, I think voice memos could be useful, but only because you can't use Siri to take notes on the Apple Watch. So if you try and create yeah. a new note, it doesn't work. But if you had voice memos, you could just mm. quickly dictate something and then you know write it down later that's the only use i could really see for voice memos but there was that I, f- i'd much rather have it being transcribed than, yeah, than recorded too. oh i would yeah. too but if they're not going to do the notes thing with siri then this is the next <laughs> best alternative but there was th- because yeah like, it's, a, it's a weird you one. could dictate the text message and then it will write it down so it's not a problem mm-hmm. with it detecting what you actually want to write so it would be mm-hmm. it feels like it's a it's a specific issue with the notes app potentially yeah, who knows? Because you can do it with notes on the iPhone, so it's strange. As someone who's about to uh, write a watchOS app, I think I will wait until after DubDub to start on it. <laughs> yeah, it's prob- probably a good, good idea. Yeah. It's funny how all people who work at Apple are super busy till DubDub is coming out, and many people who are not working at Apple um, are holding off <laughs> to, see, to see what's going on. I think it's a, it's a healthy thing to do. Like, I wanted to... Um, 
I'm starting to make an app myself and I was starting to want, think about how I want to um, store persistent data. And, and I was thinking I should probably hold off with implementing that part because I really hope that there will be something new to core data um, at WWDC because it really needs an upgrade. It really is quite clunky to work with and it feels like it hasn't gotten much uh, attention in general by Apple for a really long time. So I'm hoping that that's a sign that they're rewriting a lot. Uh, and I definitely want to hold off. Um, but yeah, I don't think we will get all those things. I feel like people maybe should, shouldn't should hold off with everything. I don't know. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Like in this Mark Gurman thing, it feels like we've spoken about most of those things. Um, I feel like most of, most of the things that Mark is mentioning here is confirmation of what 9to5 had already been um, reporting as leaks um, from earlier like software leaks potentially I don't know, is there anything else that you guys found was like revolutionary from this uh, government report? Uh, iOS 13's code name is Yukon <laughs> that's, that's revolutionary to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's the that's super exciting. Yeah, that's the territory just north of British Columbia. Also, to iOS fourteen is uh, codename Asil. Asil. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you do that to yourself trying to pronounce that? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if it was in the nine to five reports, but I do like the point about um, the HomePod potentially being able to recognize different Ooh, users' voices. I know that yes. that's something that, be that you've had issues with. And oh, man, that's I mean, the worst. I don't have a HomePod, but maybe, like... Maybe if, you would if, if it more could recognize members of the voices. family could. Well, yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe if someone else in the family wanted one, then it would be worth it, but... Yeah, that, yeah. that to me makes this, that device... And, uh, there are two things. I mean, that, that kind of brings us back to the Google I.O. thing. Just being able to say stop when a yeah. when a timer is is ringing. Why has no one thought of that? It's silly. Like basically, what they did is that as soon as the timer rings, you don't have to say Google stop the timer. You just say stop, and of course it stops and the it's timer. So annoying, especially and it makes when sense you're cooking. That's what you would. Yeah, yeah. When you're cooking, it's so being. annoying because the timer noise is very annoying. At least on your HomePod, I find it. I mean, it's it's a good noise, but it's definitely annoying if you set a lot of like two minute, three minute, four minute timers. It's like annoying you because and it often doesn't even hear you that you say stop. Yeah, so like, you're just shouting at the thing stop, and then you have to like it's it's very very minor minor annoyance. But I think like just if if there's a timer running. 99.9% of people will say stop as a result of that. And just being able to listen to that would be good. But also, yeah, the the um, the multi-user thing is, is just... Yeah. I, I also think, I don't know if we spoke about this, but there's so many things that you can integrate with Siri now, like um, unlocking your unlocking your door right you could actually like if you have a smart uh, a smart lock you can actually mm -hmm. ask siri to unlock the door is that correct i don't think that is the case for security relevant there are certain things with siri that still need auth okay so i think unlocking the but door you could is have like used. a siri shortcut set up that required that that device to be authorized and then you could go sure, ahead and run but i action. don't think you can do this on a home pod okay that's oh okay maybe not good the then yeah yeah Okay, that's good then, because I feel like that would be pretty bad if it recognizes Ernewa's voice and unlocks it. Mm. Uh, but I do think it's quite cool. I think we used to have a HomePod uh, for a while, and 
a random person who came into your house couldn't just ask you to add something to your calendar or ask you to set a set like a an alarm for the morning because um, that's a bit intrusive if someone else says that. So it was quite good that it always needed a confirmation and it actually recognized the voices. And I think that was really You helpful. mean the Google Home? Yeah, didn't I say that? No, you said HomePod. Oh, I meant the Google Home. Mm. Yeah, I was so confused was really for a while because you're like, we had a HomePod for a while. Oh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> the, <laughs> it's, it's no. the private prototype. Okay, one okay, that got you. Was. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> as soon as you said it recognized voices, I knew which one you were talking about. <laughs> you knew it was not the HomePod. Um, yeah. No, it was super. It was actually super helpful. But, but also, just I mean, that that problem kind of draws through all of Apple's devices, apart from the iPhone, right? You have that too for for the AirPods, where it's like Mon is saying something to our HomePod and my AirPods trigger, or yeah, we already already been through. Yeah, this. so that would also that having that ability to have uh, to discern voices on devices that are not an iPhone would would help throughout a lot of different of their... I, I also don't really understand. Do you know what the actual reason why that's not possible? Like, what is the actual reason for that? Is that because it needs to do the training to do the recognition and like that, that requires more hardware components? Doesn't sound like it if it's coming to HomePod uh, this year. No, but the HomePod would fit hardware components. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe they're... Uh, fit. Like if you, if you need a hardware component, Component, they could just do that as part of the up the next HomePod, right? Uh, but I, I don't really see any any hardware requirement. Oh, okay. I mean, so they they could. Do you think they could technically do this on the AirPods as well? I don't. I mean, uh, the the HomePod you know, has a more powerful sh- chip than the AirPods. Yeah. yeah, that's why I wonder if it's as if it was a hardware component. But you're right. If the, that doesn't explain why it's not already available on the HomePod. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't feel like there was much more else that was in this report. I think it's cool if they are keeping on improving the um, health app, which this report seemed to hint at. But I think um, that is something that already made sense. I think Apple has really much sort of shown that um, the watch is really focused on health in general, and I think that's really where a watch fits, where the smart, where the Apple Watch fits in. And I think it makes sense to keep on pushing that further and keep on being a really good sort of health, uh, like a workout workout utility, and be something that really helps people with their health throughout the day. So I think it makes sense to keep on adding to that. Yeah, because at the moment the health app isn't the best dashboard for any information that might be in it. It's really generally better to get a third-party app that displays that data nicely. Uh, it can be a bit clunky to find things. And yeah, any any improvements there, I think, is is positive. Um, because a lot of people do use the health app. Like a surprising number of people have checked step counts and things like that in the health app. And if hmm. they're able to... And I know that steps weren't one of the, the data points mentioned in the article, but... If any, like if any of the the data points get an improved uh, layout and things like that, I think it's it's really good. It's a bit weird how a bit funny how they are adding um, profile pictures in iMessage. Oh, we can talk about this. Actually, this is an interesting point. Well, iMessage is a social network as opposed to. I mean, iMessage was really mimic like iMessage really mimicked texting up until that point, or mm-hmm. up until. Uh, like when it was introduced, but I think I think iMessage shouldn't necessarily be treated like text messaging, and I think it makes sense to make it a little bit more like a social network where you have a profile, you have you can set a photo for yourself, you can do various things, and maybe like 
I don't know, this article doesn't mention it, but something I'd like to see for iMessage is if it becomes more social networky, is being able to search for people by name. Optionally, of course, you could choose to hide yourself from public directory, but mm-hmm. or, or search for people by email address or something like that. Because I don't know if either of you use Telegram and that you can opt into that, you can opt out of that. That works really nice. You can search for people and that can be useful. <laughs> it also ever, means that- Have you ever used search on the iMessage? Yeah, but yeah. Apple could approve it, hopefully. Search on Telegram <laughs> is really good, by the way. Um, and, and the other nice thing about that might be if you're in a group chat with someone you don't know or someone who you don't have any contacts, then you don't just see a random number. You might actually be able to see their name, which would be real because Telegram yeah, does this nicely. Cool. You don't need to have someone in your contacts in order to speak to them and know who they are. Whereas in iMessage, if you have a group chat with someone who you don't know and you just see a random number, you're incentivized to go and add them to your contacts so that you actually know who they are and you're not just looking at random fluff. Um, I don't know. I, I think iMessage has a lot of potential. I, I think the report mentioned some WhatsApp-like features. Things like being able to reply directly to individual messages would be a huge bonus, um, be a huge improvement because I love those features of uh, in things like Telegram. So, I don't know. We'll see. But I am optimistic about the improvements to messages based on this article. And also, if some of them or all of them could come across to the Mac, be that in the form of marzipan or not, (laughs) that would be awesome because it would be great to just (laughs) no longer see message sent with fireworks in brackets instead of (laughs) the actual fireworks. Um, Yeah. (laughs) um, um, The Mac isn't supposed to be fun, Zach. It's supposed to be the place Uh, you get your work done. You shouldn't watch the fireworks. (laughs) <laughs> right let's do lister ah oh, i have to come up with something now me too me too look at you kai doing your homework of course because i did my homework last week already excellent that reminds me uh <laughs> my my mother actually told me uh, uh quite recently again that when i got my first um what do you call that in the end of the year in school you kind of get a report hmm. card report card uh and the first time i first year i got a report card in school it said kai has only completed his homework once in the entire year uh <laughs> and then in the second card. second grade it said kai has now completed his homework three times <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah i i never really Improving. liked homework um but Kai has completed his homework one time since starting this podcast, and in this case, it is uh, preparing a a pick. Um, have either of you heard of the app uh, Uni Registry? I heard of it, but I don't at all remember what this is. Have you heard of that, Zach? I have not. All right. So, um, how do you at the moment buy domain names? Hover. Hover. Because I listen to too many podcasts. <laughs> All right, Marlin, and you're also on... Uh, Hover or... There's another one. Um, some, something like Gandhi? Yeah, Gandhi. Yeah, Gandhi, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those are... Before... Until recently, those were also the two I used mostly. But uh, Uni Registry is actually... I, I, I don't... I didn't really look into the company if they have any ethical issues. But just from an... From an you <laughs> Why know, would they have an ethical issue? I mean, most companies do some... <laughs> some crazy that's just the default so thing you like, for now do they t- yeah every time i recommend anything i'm like oh, i hope i hope they're not completely horrible companies but in this case um at least for me for using it all those like hover and gandhi they're all fine but you don't really have they don't really have nice apps and unit registry is is very 
very basic. They don't ha really have any upsells. They only sell domains. No, no hosting. No, no, none of that. Also, kind of basics that Hover have, like uh, free who is privacy stuff. And it's just a nice app where you can search for the domain names. The search actually works really nicely. They the auto suggest works nicely. They show you the domain names. Everything is uh, fairly affordable it's a bit dangerous because it makes it super easy and convenient to buy domain names <laughs> um but in return you also get a nice dashboard a dashboard of all the domain names you own so if you see some stuff and you're you tend to buy a lot of domain names and you start stop using them over time it makes it really easy to have an overview of all the domain names you already own and you can just uh i think you have a problem if you need this i feel like you're owning too many domain names i mean it's it's not crazy it's maybe somewhere in the realm of of 10 12 domain names um but it makes it super easy uh to to kind of see the ones you have you can just say whenever they they expire don't don't bother renewing them prices okay. are right okay. it just it's a it makes it really easy to buy renew or or get rid of domain names and I think uh, it's often, <laughs> again, uh, pointing towards the you might have a problem. But it's sometimes that you're somewhere out and about. You have an idea for for a fun project or 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 company or whatever, and you're just curious whether the domain name is even available. Because sometimes that is a deciding factor for for naming your side project or your company or whatever. Or even proceeding with the site project, really. If the domain name isn't <laughs> available, what's the point of it? Yeah, and mm. and Uniregistry is just a very nice and very. I mean, it's it's not it's not super fancy. It just gets the job done and does that in a very neat way. So yeah, have used it for for a couple of domain names recently, and so far I've been very happy with it. Speaking of coming up with names for things. Just randomly over the last couple of weeks, I've had two ideas for book titles. Now, I have no intention of writing <laughs> a book, but I now have a notes. Uh, Everyone knows a note the, in the notes part app that. with yeah. my like book title <laughs> lists. So I don't know. I'm uh, this is this is a very oh, strange well. thing, but I have some good titles. So if anyone wants to write a book, let me know because I can suggest <laughs> some names. They're, they're pretty good. Um, are they uh, yeah. like? Do they have any focus, or is it just a random title? Like, what type of book are you thinking of? The the unfortunate thing is that they are the names are very generic, so it would probably have to be like a generic self help book. Like it could it couldn't be a book about tech or something. It would have to be. Yeah, L some one kind of, those of motivation. Easy so it's not like, uh, two, to be twelve ways of curing cancer. <laughs> it's not that type of thing. It, so. So it would be more like um, TED Talk titles, that type of thing. <laughs> okay. So well, really I, cheesy, but you could do that. You, know. you could give a TED, yeah. TED Talk. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I always come up with I random know. names for medications. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Medications and musicals are the two. Okay, right. interesting. Um, so, are you, have you registered domains for those, Zach? I haven't, but maybe I should with yeah, maybe <laughs> registry. Maybe. Uh -huh. oh. hmm. Yep. So, that was me. Um, Martin, do you want to go next? I can do that. I don't feel like I have ever picked this. Um, I'm going to pick it. Um, so, this is a menu bar app that's called SIP. Uh, so, S-I-P. Um, this is a really cool app if you... Um, 
if you need to know the color of something so it's a it seems like a, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a simple app i think um but therefore it's it's really nice so um sip is basically like this small app that lives in your menu bar um and it allows you to get like a small uh, color picker when you want and then see what uh, color code that is supposed to be um so you can basically just open the app and then you will um, uh, but just like the color, um, that you see somewhere. So if you're making an app and you, uh, already have a color in mind, or if you already, uh, selected a color, but it's in a different format, you can select it with like a color picker. And then this can, this will allow you to like convert it to different formats as well. So you might have something that is already available in, uh, RGB, uh, but if you want to convert it to, um, to a NS color or, um, a UI color, you can do that directly from uh, the app. So you can just change the format you want and then get the, um, put that, get that onto your clipboard and then you can just paste it, um, in your iOS project. Yeah. And what I actually really like, uh, is their contrast checker. So you can basically have two mm. colors. If you have a background color and a foreground color for text, it will automatically in the contrast checker show you whether it is, um, passing accessibility. Um, requirements and it even have a button has a button to to push one of the colors out far enough to just map to be as close to what you want it to be while still f- uh, passing the i think double a accessibility contrasts requirements so for that i i also really like it yeah yeah i think you were the one recommending it to me originally kai um, but I always use it now if I need to need to pick a color and I don't have the exact uh, color code for it. Mm. It's really good. Yeah, Sip app. Yeah, and I think cool. it's somewhere around ten dollars. Yeah, I don't think it's much. So there's actually a utility tool built into macOS that does this, and mm. I didn't know about this until very recently because I've tried like all the third party equivalents. Um, so I was very happy to which learn one did. Are you talking about the digital color meter? That one. Yeah, but I mean, this. what Zip does, it also it collects all the colors that you've used and it converts them to mm. like a UI color and those kind of things. Does the contrast checker... I mean, the yeah, color meter is nice, for... but it's yeah, definitely so the, very, very basic. Yeah. So color meter is sort of like a one-time use thing, I think. And then you can directly see the RGB or whatever, whatever type of... Um, format you want to display it in but you can't even well, copy this, it out yeah. from there and this like if you also want this in like html or if you want it in um ui color it actually i think it actually gives you a code snippet if you copy it yeah so that's it's actually pretty, pretty cool yeah it's like yeah cool. so you can just paste that nice and it's available on set app if you use that it is not to confuse with this session initiation protocol for all of our voice over ip friends out there <laughs> oh Yes, well, that is what comes up when you Google it. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. Well, thanks for clarifying that, Kai. Mm, mm. Welcome. Um, all right, Zach, have you been able to find something that you're excited about this week? And all right. Admittedly, I haven't used this this thing for very long, but it's a Mac app. So yay for Mac apps! It's mm, called two Mac apps. Oh man, I just had the name. This is unbelievable. I've blanked on the name. Downlink. That's the one. I wrote it in the document. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Downlink. And it's a Mac app that pulls satellite imagery and updates your macOS background picture or your wallpaper optionally either every 20 minutes or one hour with the latest satellite images. You can sort of choose a bunch of uh, like satellites that you can get images from. So 
Um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different ones. You, like some are more zoomed over specific parts of the earth. Like there's a Southern South America, US West Coast, the Northern South America, yada, yada. Um, but then there's also like the full, uh, like the, the full zoomed out earth. So you've got like an East full disc, it's called, and the West full disc, which is also okay. really cool. Um, and sort of, yeah, as, as you can see, like over a period of a few hours, you can see the sun rise and set in certain parts of the world. And it's just, it's pretty cool to have a, an up-to-date satellite image as your desktop background. And it fits all my criteria for desktop backgrounds because it is predominantly black, particularly the zoomed out ones. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty cool app. It does a cool thing. Not to be confused with the uh, with Downlink, the musical artist. Thanks. Just for thank you. Yeah, yeah. Need to clarify that. <laughs> nah, cool. Um, so yeah, that's that's my pick. It's called Downlink, and I believe it's free on the Mac App Store. Okay. It is free. Okay. Well, it was free. I honestly I can't it. find. I can only find this musician if I Google for it. So I'm gonna go to. Oh, so maybe search in the Mac App Store directly. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It is free. <laughs> people, Zach didn't lie to us this way. I just don't think people should give things up out to, for free. I think if you make something, you should be maybe you can't able to, able charge to for for redistributing these images though. They could oh, they're probably somebody true. else's copyright. Mm, yeah, that could be. That, that's just the hypothesis, well, but it's possible. Mm. Anyway, oh, it's really cool. I like this app. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> so do I, and uh, I've hardly used it. <laughs> as a theme of this, um, maybe you are using Downlink to look at the globe, and then you get a great idea for your new product. So you go ahead and uh, and register it in uh, on uh, Uniregistry, and then you can start choosing your colors for your new product in Zip. Perfect thing. Thanks for always Perfect. tying yeah. all of our things together. I know. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. That's, I didn't, that's what I'm I here didn't for. think this would become a thing we're doing every time. <laughs> but I, I guess... feel like it's working, so I'm going <laughs> to uh, push ahead. 